0: Another episode of the Lakers fast break podcast. It's zero glass. We come right back at you here from Lakers fast break pop culture, cosmos inside sports, fantasy football and game source. We truly appreciate everyone out there. to all shows. And if you can, please give us that five star review, wherever you get your podcast. Plus if you can like share, subscribe, follow, or do whatever it is that you can to support us right here at the Lakers fast break pop culture, cosmos inside sports, fantasy football, Game source, the great guys at Lakerholics.com. Go ahead and follow the number one Lakers blogger that's out there. Of course, that is Laker Tom and also his good friend, Mr. Yami Swooped, a.k.a. Jamie Sweet with his five things articles. You can find them today at Lakerholics.com. Post our good friend Joe Soro, a.k.a. Ox1947, who I'm still hoping he can go ahead and attend class. He is late. So hopefully he is coming into class with his book bag and getting all the books together and getting in there. Absolutely, hopefully getting into class here because class is about ready to start. Good evening, Terrence. Terrence is in session. Terrence is his class. He has his hand raised for attendance. He is here on time. So you know what? Teachers liking that. But if you can go ahead and support Joe Sorrow, a.k.a. Ox1947 at LakersBall.com. And of course, everything that he does for Southern California with great lawns at simblaze.com, simblaze with a Y.com. and of course, our good friends at Hoopeds Podcast Network. It is this, it's just sincerely appreciated. But I also want to go ahead and mention tomorrow night, if you get a chance and you're into live watch parties with the gang from LFB, please go ahead and check us out today at playback.tv by signing up for a free account, and then join us. Join us. Please go ahead and join us for the live watch party tomorrow night starting at 730 Pacific against the vaunted Sacramento Kings, although they <laughs> do the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they destroyed us in the preseason, as Joe keeps on reminding me, by 77 points combined. So we'll see if the Lakers will gain some measure of revenge without LeBron in the lineup but that will be tomorrow night at 7.30, so please join us. You can open up a free account today at playback.tv and join and watch us free right now, or excuse me, tomorrow night at playback.tv slash Lakers Fast Break, all one word. And if you do, it's greatly appreciated. Wanted to give an update on LeBron James before classes in session, so I'm just getting all my notes as the instructor going forward, but I wanted to go ahead and mention that LeBron James, the MRI came back and the digital imaging and came back that it is not a tear. It is something that is going to be a left abductor strain. So it's an abductor strain. He is listed officially as day to day with both that and of course his already, you know, ha- you know hobbling foot injury that he's had. So he has a sore foot and an abductor strain. So he's going to be listed day to day. My guess. And according to all the research that's been done online, it looks like he probably will not play this tomorrow, of course, game against Sacramento, and also Sunday's game as well. I would assume they want to go ahead and give him a full five, six days of rest. By that time, by the time he comes back, I think he'll have almost eight days of rest. So hopefully he can go ahead and get plenty of rest and then maybe come back and we'll be able to go ahead and march on and try and get back on the straight and narrow, because I do want to see Joe. Lose his bet and have the one chip challenge, although he's looking, uh, you know, a little bit better in that sense since the LeBron injury, but we'll wait and see. But once again, it is the Lakers fast break class is going to be now in session because it is Lakers history one on one. And I've got a special guest instructor for today's session. It is, of course, the madman from Toronto, the magic man. Indeed, it is magic man. Sean Grice. Sean, great to have you here. Great to have Daniel here as well, Terrence is here as well, and the topic for today as I write on the virtual chalkboard is Paul Westhead, a very much a favorite topic of mine as far as someone who I have appreciated throughout his career. He actually uh, was a great part of my basketball love in the late 80s and early 90s of what he did to innovate the offense with the Loyola Marymount Lions small fact that I'm not sure anybody, you know, or too many people know about is that he actually for a time after his firing from the Lakers, he actually uh, had a stint at where I got my uh, AA degree at the Marymount College in Palos Verdes, one of the most beautiful and also almost very tiny colleges that are out there. Actually, it's now a university now. They would actually slap me upside my head because they became a university several years after I left. But Wanted to go ahead and give him some credit on that, but yes, I will say that. I mean, Paul Westhead has just been a great influence as far as enjoyment and basketball in my life, as after what he did with the loyal, loyal, and Marymount Lions. But it all started for him with St. Joseph's, that led into the job that he got as an assistant coach of the Lakers, and through obviously tragic circumstances, got the head coaching gig, led the Lakers to a 1980s championship, and had a fallout about 41 years ago this month. So Sean wanted to go ahead and talk today about this as far as a a reminder about Paul Westhead, about the circumstances behind it, about the the deteriorating relationship between him and Magic Johnson and the events that led to it, but also as well what Magic Johnson did and the Lakers did after that and the success to that. So as much as I love Paul Westhead, I'm going to have to say that obviously the changes that were made in bringing in Pat Riley off the assistant coaching bench from the announcer's boot to assisting coaching after Paul West got fired, he became the head coach. And we all know what happened
1: from there. Uh, Yes, Gerald. Showtime was, was on the, on the tracks and there was no slowing it down after, Mm -hmm. after that year. Um, To me, this is the second greatest Lakers championship. In Los Angeles. I, I think, obviously, number one...
0: Which championship are you referring to?
1: the, the our, uh, our 82 championship. 1981-82. Mm-hmm. Um, we went 12-2. and two, mm-hmm. uh, Rolled through the first two series. Swept both the Phoenix Suns and San Antonio Spurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Magic Johnson won the finals MVP for the second time in three years.
0: Well-deserved.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, in 14 games, Magic had seven triple doubles, which is off, which is really unheard of for a player who's in his third season as a point guard in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to me, obviously, number one is uh, 2000, 2001, Shaq and Kobe, uh, 15 and one. Uh, no championship in Los Angeles has eclipsed that one yet. Um, mm-hmm. But moving forward on on that season particularly, uh, your sense of timing is incredible, Gerald, because it was this date in 1981 where we got spanked by the San Antonio Spurs, and we were 2-4 and Mm -hmm. at that time. And Magic has the conch, and everybody asks him a certain question, and instead of answering the question, Magic decides that he's going to let everybody know that he wants a trade from the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, to give well, a little,
0: and then let me ask you this: Okay, obviously there was a deteriorating relationship, and and obviously the loss in Houston in the playoffs the year before didn't help any matters. Talk to me about the deteriorating relationship between those two, because when you look at it, I mean, Jack McKinney got the injury, Paul Wester took over. We all know Paul West did from the uh, innovative. A lot of at the time it was called junk offenses. Yes, he was doing yes. it, but now it's innovative, and now everybody's doing it—running and gunning and three-pointing uh, three-pointers all over the place. Imagine how that's uh, changed and innovated the the offense. But he was the one that led the charge. In that, but as a Lakers head coach, his style was a little bit different than what it came to be. So, talk to me about those early days after the 1980 championship and the fallout between and what deteriorated between Magic Johnson and, and Paul Wesley because it's interesting because if you look at legacy the series you look at at the Magic Johnson series you look at the winning time series you look at those series as a whole this year that have been debuted this year they give you kind of a glimpse of what went on but I think it's just the fact that you know, by the time Paul Westhead wanted to go ahead and innovate the offense in the way that that he ultimately did, it wasn't with the Lakers, and unfortunately, that cost him his job.
1: A hundred percent, Gerald. A hundred percent. the <clears throat> The big fly in the ointment for Irvin was that the offense was was designed to be around him. That's that's what Jack McKinney vision was that under under Don Nelson's tutelage and then Dr. Jack Ramsey, McKinney was a highly touted uh, offensive mind. And there was the expectation that the Kareem would get most of the shot attempts, but Irvin, Irv, the offense would flow through Irvin. And like you said, there was a different philosophy when Westhead took over. He, he really um wanted the offense to go through Kareem and and that irked Irvin because Irvin had just come off uh, a serious knee injury. He 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 tore cartilage uh in his second year and um he felt that after winning MVP in the finals, he'd earned a certain amount of um I guess you would say um accountable uh, wisdom to understand that you know the offense should flow through me because I can get everybody in the right spots but as you said uh uh West had a different philosophy at that point you know um in loyola if you look at his offenses that was innovative his his yeah. his uh his just his sense of uh speed and pace was a, a complete contrast to what he was doing in, in, in Los Angeles with the Lakers. And there had already been some, some cracks in the foundation already, uh, the previous year when, um, magic magic felt that the power forward position needed to be upgraded. And he implored, he implored the Lakers to try and acquire Mitch Kupchak. And mm-hmm. so they did, but that meant trading, um, Jim Jones, who was a a really good rebounder and um, had a decent mid range shot, but for some reason, him and West had clashed as well. And he benched Jones, and that sort of caused a riff in that locker room as well. Um, So Dr. Buss agreed to the uh, trade, but he was really uh, shining the microscope very heavily on Westhead too. A lot of people think that, um, looking back, that Magic was the one who kind of initiated the tension. That's not really the case. Uh, Dr. Buss's first choice was McKinney. Um, you know, he had to insert Westhead there. And then when Mag- Magic made that uh, trade demand, Gerald, it was, I'm sure Dr. Bus's head was spinning because as you also remember, He re-signed Magic to, uh, unconscionable today, but a 25-year rookie extension, which, you know, in in today's CBA obviously wouldn't happen, but his head is swirling now. He signed his star point guard to a 25-year contract. The the head coach is uh, fighting amongst uh, his star, and now he has to make... a a crucial decision and it wasn't easy at all.
0: No, it wasn't easy at all indeed. But once again, it's Sean Grice uh, right there for you. The magic man, the madman from Toronto, getting out of Toronto traffic. He has wanted a chance to talk some Lakers history. So we opened up a class Lakers history one-on-one for you right here. Once again, LeBron's injury is an abductor injury. Wanted to go ahead and mention that he is on a day-to-day status that is Going forward, I would imagine he would be out for the Friday and Sunday games at the very least. Maybe they will keep him out longer. We will keep you updated here at the Lakers Fast Break. Plus, also don't forget our live watch parties, which you can sign up for right now at playback.tv. Sign up for free, and you can join us at playback.tv/slash Lakers Fast Break. If you've got a streaming outlet, you can watch along and go with us at the the games that we're going to be having upcoming, we're going to be doing watch parties for pretty much all of them from what I'm told. So Laker Tom is really excited. Sean Grice is really excited about that. Joe Soro has been cursing all over it. So I guess he's excited for it too. So we'll see what happens, but please go ahead and join us for our live watch parties now available at playback.tv. You can sign up there and join us on Friday night at 7:30 for the Lakers and the Kings, but getting back to class after a short break to let the kids go ahead and take some quizzes wanted to go ahead and talk to you about uh, you know how that uh, change again i have a sp- soft spot in my heart for westhead but i understood mm-hmm. why the change and hello to peanut daniel and terrence once again in the chat room truly appreciate you joining us and watching and listening for lakers history 101 glad you're part of class wanted to go ahead and discuss with you you know, again, as I have a soft spot for Paul Wessett and will always have a soft spot for it. But I understand when I look back at history and I also remember it because I was 13 and I can't really fathom what's going on. You know, I, all I know is, oh, Paul was fired. I didn't have an appreciation for Paul's talents as a coach. I just knew him as the guy who won uh, the, you know, helped the Lakers won the championship in 80. But I understand that Magic was ticked off at him. So, OK, all right, we'll go with you, Magic. It wasn't until later on that I learned more about, you know, what Westhead can do out there as a coach on the floor. He became a, not only, like we said, a, you know, in 1980, he became a, the, actually he's the only man to ever or, or the only individual ever to coach a NBA and WNBA championship yes. like he did later on with Phoenix Mercury. But he innovated, you know, offenses later on in his career. Maybe he had served as a lesson to him. As far as what happened there, because he had much more of a strict, rigid, rudimentary offense that he wanted to implement. And I think that probably taught him a lesson that, you know, going forward in his life, if he ever got those opportunities to create innovative offenses, he did just that. Because he never went back to those strict offenses. So, uh, again, that's, that's where I came into play. But getting to where the decision was made and the firing of Paul Westhead was done what did they do now to bring in as far as move Riley up from the assistant coach where he had just become an assistant coach for, you know, just a, just a maybe what a season or so. Yeah. Yeah. And then he was coming from the, the announcers booth. And I know it was over dramatized as far as what you see there with, with winning time and, and, you know, really hasn't been elaborated much as far as Mm -hmm. that end of it, but, your thoughts on what Pat Riley's change and how he saw things, because the way he coached the Lakers the rest of that decade was far different than, than the way he coached New York or Miami later on.
1: Uh, absolutely, Gerald. It was, it was a little different as well. It was um, but the
0: practices the, remained long and that, that remained. Yes. Insane. Yes.
1: At, at least the practices were, were part of the, the bunker mentality, but he had to, he definitely had to adjust. Um, his personality to uh, the situation. And uh, again, the, you know, this decision is not easy for, for Dr. Buss and uh, the press conference uh, becomes even more awkward because during the press conference, Dr. Buss states that uh, Jerry West and, and Pat Riley will be co-head coaches and, and Jerry West basically takes the mic from him and says, uh, no, 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 Dr. Bus, And Dr. Bus that says, well, you know, uh, Jerry will be in charge of the offense and, and Pat will take care of the defense. And and Jerry takes the leg back and he says, no, 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 Dr. Bus, This is Pat Riley's team. He's going to coach with autonomy. Um, and I really respect Dr. Uh, Dr. Bus for allowing, uh, you know, Jerry West to not uh, be insubordinate, but Kind of recognize that th- there would always be a perception if if uh, Jerry West was on the sidelines with Pat Riley that there was a power behind the throne, so to speak, and that the that...
0: credit would go to Jerry West as opposed to Pat
1: Riley. Absolutely, absolutely, and and you know, um, again, you you and I have talked about this. We, we don't think um, Jerry West gets near the the recognition he he really should. He's, I was, he's brilliant with the, the yeah, Lakers. The, yeah, the, really the, shrewd, the shrewdness of what he did there. And um, we're seeing
0: it now as far as the contrast to what's going on with today's product. But need yeah, I digress?
1: Uh, yes, yes, obviously. So we all know that this is Pat Riley's team now. So the Lakers are just coming off a five-game winning streak. They're 7-4. and four. Uh, As you say, Gerald, uh, the next 20 games, the Lakers go 17-3. It, it's 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 a good opening impression that Riles makes on Lakers and Hollywood and the rest of the NBA. Uh, unfortunately, during that time frame, Mitch Kupchak blows out his knee, and he only plays less than thirty games. He is replaced basically by a. Uh, a a guy who they just signed in the summer from the Greek League by the name of Kurt Rambis. Kurt Rambis was drafted by the Knicks in the third round, but the Knicks and Kurt Rambis could never reach uh, a contract uh, agreement. Mm-hmm. So, being a Greek, being a Greek national citizen, Kurt was able to play in the Greek League that year, and he's coming off a championship. Now, the Lakers have Mitch Kupchak inserted as a starting power forward, and their backup is one Mark Landsberger, who who I, I got to say, Gerald, when whenever I look at Magic's assist totals, I can't help but think that at least once a game, either Landsberger or Rambis blew a layup or dropped a perfect pass and cost Irvin you know, at least two assists per game. But I digress about that. But they also they also have an, another player named Mike McGee, who they drafted in the, fir- in the first round, 18th overall. And they're trying to find minutes for him. So Riles is dealing with a lot of, of different hats here. He's trying to find a rotation that works. He's trying to insert his defensive philosophies. He's also trying to understand each player's tendencies, and he's also under the microscope from Dr. Buss because Dr. Buss has invested a lot of money into Irvin. He wants to make Irvin happy. Riles understands this as well, and they forge uh, a bond, a bond, because Riles, Riles like uh not unlike uh, what Rick Carlisle did with uh, Luka Doncic. He understood the talent of this young man, and I can't put any restrictions on him because he's just uber-talented, and he sees the game differently than most players. And Riles understood this, but Riles also understood that there needed to be discipline as well because as we move forward through the season, the Lakers stumble a little bit. And and every championship team goes through a skid at least once a year. You lose five, you lose seven of eight. Um, so it's mid-March, and it's bunker of practice time. And Rouse decides that, um, you know what, gentlemen? You've been playing man-to-man defense for a while now, so we're going to try something different. And, of course, Gerald, he... He has the guts to uh, bring in the trap defense into the NBA and use it um, frequently in the finals. Um, he used it a lot against that Sixers squad, and you know it was either a one-three-one or one-two-two. Um, he he really he really found a way to bring in a st- college strategic. Uh, tactic into the NBA and make it work, and that was another reason why people thought, okay, uh, Riles knows what buttons to press here and when to press them because the the only shooter that really that Sixers team had was Andrew Tony, and and Riles understood this, and he made sure that wh- whoever was was on. Tony or Irving that the responsibility was of one uh Jamal Wilkes Magic Norm Nixon to double team and he demanded it and um you know the guys really responded to him Gerald it was it, it was something to behold because a lot of people had their doubts a lot of people had their doubts about Pat Riley coming in you know this this guy, he looks like something out of Central Casting coming into Los Angeles. But, you know, looking back through through history, Riles had a relationship with Jerry West. They won a championship together with the Lakers. Uh, Bill Sharman and Jerry West both being executives. So Riles was coached by Bill Sharman. So there was a lot of connective tissue between, you know, Dr. Buss and the executives and allowing Riles to insert his style of play. But as you say, Gerald, he had to adjust to not only the, the team, but uh, what the necessity was, which was to make sure that the offense does flow through Irvin because he's shown himself to be a dynamo and we can't restrict what he what he can do you know so in four in his first 4 years irvin johnson went to 3 nba finals he won 2 finals mvps um, that's probably the greatest four year first 4 years in in all four major sports i can't think of another person who ascended that quickly in in a sport that demanded um, toughness and focus, and it took a, a a certain kind of special talent to do that. And you know, it, unfortunately, I don't think Paul West had really appreciated that until after he was gone, as you say, Gerald.
0: Yeah, again, he, you know, because like I said, you see his offenses that he ran or in early games in 1980 or 81, and you see that the fact that he was not implementing as much of a high-octane offense. We always talk about showtime during the 80s and whatnot. Showtime in the 80s really didn't start to kick off until the Riley-era kick came in. It was a little bit to an extent in the 1980s, especially if you get a chance to take a look at the... uh, the winning game from the 76ers in philadelphia where magic won the mvp and the yeah. title for the team but it wasn't to the extent where you saw true showtime until you know for me and also my memories as a kid seeing it until riley took over but i think again i think west had used the firing as a lesson to him on how he should coach a team and if he was ever to get an opportunity at a major level once again he was going to take it as an opportunity to implement a style that's that's more accustomed to what he wanted and what he wanted to go ahead and envision. I think that the Kareem scenario, Kareem was in the latter years of his career. And I think the emphasis that still, you know, the NBA was like, focus in on the number five spot, focus in on the center, focus in on the big man. It's always got to be about the big man. That was the focus, even though Kareem's skills, you know, as great as they were as being one of the greatest players of all time, were in decline at that point in time. Yeah. I think that he truly didn't appreciate Magic Johnson's talents to be able to push it in transition as much as he should have. And I think that he learned from that. I also think that the fact that he was able to understand and appreciate the three-point area even more and allowed him to go ahead and succeed. You know, once he got over that that firing, you allowed him a chance to go ahead and succeed later on.
1: Absol- absolutely, Gerald. Um, and and I try and uh, explain it to uh, individuals like this. If um if if you looked at this uh, at uh, M- the NBA point guard position, if there was the sun and the moon, it'd likely be uh, Magic Johnson and Steph Curry. Magic's mm-hmm. the greatest passer uh, of all time at the point guard position. And,
0: oh, oh, look who's sneaking in the class!
1: And hello, Joe. And and Steph is the greatest shooting point guard of of all time. Now, when when you delve into what made Irvin special, it, it just wasn't the fact that uh, I, I think. One of the reasons Paul Westhead was reluctant to allow Irvin to run the offense was that he felt that some at times Irvin over dribbled or, or was um, too, too fond of, of driving the lane. But what Irvin explained to tried to explain to Westhead was, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm going to do in transition. I don't know if I'm going to pass. I don't know if I'm going to shoot. I only know when I really get into the painted area that that's when I make a decision. And you know, for some reason, Westhead was reluctant to do this. I mean, Magic has over ten thousand career assists with a usage rate under twenty five percent. If you showed that to analytics experts today, they wouldn't believe it. They that they, they would think it was made up. There, there's no way somebody could average those kind of numbers. With, with a usage rate that low, but that's why he was so transformational. There, there were times, Gerald, where, where the ball didn't touch the floor, either in transition or in half court. That, that's how special he was. And there'll never be another point guard like him. I will never see another point guard able to do the things he was able to do and ultimately, Riles understood this completely because he was the one in practices as well. The same with Westhead. And my guess is Paul was thinking about running the offense through Kareem as a conventional, uh, you know, milk toast offense. And Pat Riley was thinking Buck needs to run this. Buck needs to run this offense. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break.
0: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your
2: savings are waiting
0: to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price price line check out what's been going on with the pop culture cosmo show and the pcc multiverse i see the potential for basically like another netflix kind of paradigm shift where Here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess.
1: Well, it's a big first step, bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed, and then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation.
2: Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted, and this is a thing where
0: audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Once again, it's the Lakers Fast Break. Class is in session because Lakers History 101 is here. Sean Grice, the magic man, the madman from Toronto, and also here coming in late, trying to gently put his book bag with books down, not being noticed by the professor. Unfortunately, he was noticed by the professor, it is a good man indeed. He is still late, but he's you know, he's here anyways. It is a good man indeed. you got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at SimBlades, SimBladesWithAY.com, and, of course, LakersBall.com, and, of course, our live watch parties at PlayBad.tv. It is Joe Soro. Joe, great to have you here. Late nonetheless, young man. We'll deal with that after class. But I will say right now we're talking about the Paul Westhead era coming to an end and the actual dominance of the Lakers, beginning with the induction of Pat Riley.
2: It's interesting how after they won the 1980 NBA championship, Magic was quoted in Philly after the game, uh, saying if Westhead isn't the coach, he's going wherever he's going. And then a year and a half, two years later, you're... I'm leaving if this guy's not out of here. Uh, it's it, it, the the documentary they had uh, on Hulu was another version of that story. I, I feel like I've heard so many different versions of that story. Agreed. I started realizing, well, which one was it? And I think that that quote was the definition. Those two quotes was the definition of of what really happened. What happened was both things happened. He wanted him, and then he didn't want him. So we get confused on what exactly happened. And the fact that Dr. Buss had told people he was going to fire Westhead anyways, but no one believed him, you know, these kind of things can be interpreted in different ways because who's who's – how can you tell who's telling the truth? You can't. Yeah,
1: and and I, I've never I've never um, agreed, and and I'll fight vehemently that uh, you know the the narrative that somehow magic magic was responsible for for Westhead's uh, dismissal. Doctor Bus was was thinking of of letting him go uh, months 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 before Irvin made that request, and he's also balancing the fact that he's just signed Irvin Johnson to a 25 year extension. So am I, am I, going to invest my future in this transformational player who may not come around again, or a coach who I'm lukewarm about to begin with, because he wasn't my guy. And there are already rifts in that locker room. So uh, it, it it's it's never an easy decision there, but he made the right one. He made the right one.
0: Joe, your yeah. thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, yeah. you you can't. You have to, it, and they were buddies already. So there's no. I'm sure Magic went up there and said, "Doc, I I I can't." It's like putting Anthony Davis at the five. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah it's it. Hey. It's, it's, it's,
2: you're 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 gonna get a player that's still gonna make the all-star team and still be a, you know productive, but you're not getting the full the full talent on that. Just like you're not getting the full ability of LeBron with shooters around them. If LeBron is when LeBron has shooters on his on his team, especially this late in his career, he wins assist titles.
1: Yes, yes, hundred percent. And it's ironic too because you would think that it, of all of all people who was under McKinney that Westhead would watching that six game series in 1980 and seeing magic play all five positions and basically basically dominate all the, here, here are the two stats that stand out most from that season. Okay. To me. So in the, in the first round against Phoenix, when they swept them in game four, the Lakers took 87 shots. Irvin took seven shots. He played 44 minutes and took seven shots. He finished 15, 11, and 12, and the Lakers won. In the sixth game of the finals, the Lakers took 81 shots. Irvin took three, one, two, three shot attempts. He finished with 13 points, 13 assists, 13 rebounds. That, that game featured players like Bobby Jones, Caldwell Jones, Daryl Dawkins, and Magic out, got more rebounds on the defensive end than, than all of them combined, than all of them. I, I believe Caldwell Jones had nine, Magic had 10 in that game. So Irvin not only controlled the gas and break on that offense. He did whatever it took to get more possessions. That was, that was the whole idea. And that was another riff they had is that magic wanted more possessions and Westhead wanted to slow the game down and to magic, you, you know, that's like, that's like telling, you know, Dale Earnhardt that he can't pass in the grass you, you, you can't tell Magic what he can and can't do. Uh he's just led you to the NBA finals when Kareem was out and won. He tears his knee up, comes back when when they want him to sit out for the year, too. They didn't want him to really come back. They wanted him to rest up. He's like, No, I'm I'm perfectly healthy. I'm coming back. Um you know, they lose to Houston and that pisses him off. And then we roll into the next season and it's the same, it's the same thing. The pace is slow. Nobody's really getting along on the court. It's not the same as it was. Nobody's loose. Everybody's really tight and Irvin just had enough. He's he's he can read a room. Like what one thing that always struck me about him was just how like, Showtime t- show show was the magic. But the defense and the rebounding and the guts, that was Irvin. Uh, we all know his story. He came from a hard life. But he learned a lot of valuable lessons. His dad had two jobs. He had to work two jobs. So Irvin knows work ethic. And and that was another reason that the, that it played into Doctor Bus's decision because this isn't this wasn't a, a case of you know a young man who's immature who maybe doesn't understand the 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 business of that side of of wanting somebody to be dismissed like say I don't know Kevin Durant who just says fire the coach. And Irvin is mature enough to, like Joe said, to walk up to Dr. Bus and say, look, Dr. Buss, this isn't working, man. You got to help me out, Doc. Like, like he is not going to be the reason we win a championship.
0: So, Joe, I want to go ahead and interrupt here as far as, and thank you again for joining us, students, for Lakers History 101, where we talk about the end of the Paul Westhead era and Obviously, what it summons in is Pat Riley uh, coming in, and and you everybody knows what happens from there. The domination by the Lakers and the dynasty that they built in the 1980s is born. Your thoughts on Pat Riley and where it went from there. I spoke out against uh what I said against with with Sean in regards to Pat Riley. When it comes to Pat Riley, he changed his style to a much more slow, bruising style later on with both New York and Miami. We saw what he did there. But when it comes to the Lakers, it was all showtime. Your thoughts on how Pat Riley changed and evolved from when he was with the Lakers and winning those championships to what he eventually became later on as a coach?
2: Pat Riley was, he was the great adapter. Any great anything is someone who can adapt Someone like a Bill Belichick can adapt his defense to a particular offense or his offense to a particular defense. Uh, Nick Saban, he can win a national championship with a top-tier quarterback. He can win a championship without a top-tier quarterback. Uh, Pat Riley coached a finesse team for eight, nine seasons. Was it eight? Yeah, eight and a half seasons. And then turned the Knicks into... The '90s version of the De- Detroit Pistons, minus one more superstar, they just Pat, uh, Patrick Ewing just needed one one more guy on that team, and he probably would have won a couple championships. But he he took them as far as he could before running into Michael Jordan. Then he went to Miami, and his his tactics wore those guys out versus the. The, the, the Knicks for those years he was in New York. I remember Tim Hardaway talking about when they got to the, I believe it was the 1997 uh, Eastern Conference Finals against the Bulls. They, he, he said, we were spent, we were done. So imagine not only the fact that you have Magic Johnson and the Lakers in the 80s. You deal, you you're, you've got this talent, and on top of that, you had this. Rigorous, out of this, out of your mind, conditioning, crazy coach. You you compass all those things into one team, and you end up creating the the eight the team of the eighties essentially. So Pat Riley goes through that process in L.A., goes to the New York Knicks, has a run, goes to Miami, tries to do the same thing in Miami. He did have a little bit more talent in terms of a Tim Hardaway on offense, and then Lonzo was a little bit more. Uh, versatile versus uh, Patrick Ewing, but even he knew. You know what? I I don't know if my my ways are going to start working here. And he starts phasing himself out, and then eventually has to come back because Stan Van Gundy may you know hurt Matt, uh, Shaq's feelings, wins a championship, and then coaches a little bit longer after that, and then finally says, "Look, I gotta I gotta go sit up." Sit up in the booth, and you know I can be the Godfather up there, but I can't really do it with these pansies that are coming up in the future.
0: Well, I tell you what, it's it's very interesting to hear that, especially with the fact that again we saw what Pat Riley evolved to as a coach. Sean, you want to go? Was ahead that, enough, and add was it that up?
2: enough history, guys? I, I didn't know if you guys. I mean, I'd like to think I, I I already know I know the NBA, but I I never feel like I know enough. It's just kind of how my
1: brain works. But I hope I hope the audience. Yeah, no. Just to Joe's point, it's it's um, I, I, I forget the journalist who said it, but he he basically said that Pat Riley's coaching style, the skeleton of his coaching style, was the Knicks, but the 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 skin and the tissue and all that what that was the the Lakers. It was the outside, the inside of Pat Riley was what you saw with the Knicks. His grind. Dirt under your fingernails. You might. You either have to have blood on your shirt or blood on your skin to uh, justify uh, playing for me. And it's also a contrast in 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 age as well. That Lakers team in nineteen eighty one, outside of Kareem and Bob McAdoo, is very young. Irvin's twenty two. Rambus is twenty three. Michael Cooper's twenty three. They're young, and they haven't been in the league very long, but Magic is the greatest leader in sports history. Nobody will will ever convince me otherwise. He led his team to winning a championship without their best player at the time. He also led their team to a finals when that player had retired. In between, playing from his prime was 79 to 91. In 12 seasons, he went to nine finals. Nine finals. You know, LeBron went to eight straight, which in this era is very impressive. I'm more impressed with somebody who gets to a lot of finals than, you know, maybe one, one or two. To me, getting to a finals is much more difficult. Only one team can win, but two of them get there. And it's very difficult. And for him to do that in, in again, that short amount of time with uh, uh, three different head coaches going to nine NBA finals um, just shows what kind of a leader he really was and why he had his finger on the pulse of the situation and he was proven out to be right.
0: So... Once again, it is Lakers History 101. It's the Lakers Fast Break. Gerald Glassford here, Professor Gerald Glassford, along with Instructor Sean Grice and Instructor Joe Sorrow as well. Wanted to go ahead, before we head on out, the last thing I'm going to throw out to you because we're going to go ahead. The It's an hour class, so we'll go ahead and end it justly. The, the actual the, the class, the, the bell will ring, brought an hour in. So I wanted to go ahead before we finish on out is with instructor Joe. Joe, I haven't uh, as far as something that you can relate to the classes. You know how well the Lakers with Pat Riley dominated the rest of that decade. But do you believe, as an instructor, that you can philosophize or theorize to the class out there that the Lakers left in that decade some championships on the table?
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh... One wasn't anyone's fault other than the individuals that made some bad decisions at crunch time. The number one, the number one worst play in Laker history is James Worthy's turnover in game two in 84 finals. If James Worthy inbounds that ball, the Lakers go up 2-0 in Boston in both games. Larry Bird never beats Magic. Magic never beats, never loses a series to the Celtics. The Lakers have six championships in that decade. And the discussion of greatest of all time would still be debated to this day, whether it's Magic or Michael Jordan. And I've said this about the difference between great and accomplishment. The reason why Michael Jordan is so revered is he never lost in the big stage. Some will say, well, Joe, he lost in the second round in 1995. He lost the first seven years. No, shut up. Just shut up. First of all, which one of those great players in the last 40 years, heck, 50 years, 50, let's say three years since Bill Russell's last year in the league, which one of the great players that have played since 1970, Have six championships. None. None. So, what do you? I'm I'm sorry, wait. There's one guy, uh, Kareem Abdul Jabbar. So, there's one guy, Kareem. And I'm not going to get into the argument of who the greatest of all time is. You can't really give it to a center. It's got to, you know, you get centers need the ball given to them. So, Kareem is the only one since 1970 that has six championships. Kareem went six. Out of ten. Magic went five out of four. Larry went three out of five. Uh, Isaiah went two out of three. Kobe went five out of seven. Uh, Shaq went four out of six. Duncan went five out of one. He got close. But Duncan, like to your point, Gerald, was not overrated. You can argue. Not overrated. Not overrated. But his – Kobe. there's a reason why Kobe Bryant – Pretty much owned them in in the two thousands. You can't even <laughs> compare the, the talent at that point. So Michael Jordan is six and O in the finals. He had every oh, he's won. He won every award other than the 6 Man Award. He won ten scoring titles. He had the stats. He had the charisma. He had the drama. He had everything, and he had no equal in the nineties. He's probably the only guy that didn't have an equal in a decade, because in the, unless you say, you know, Mikan was the guy in the fifties, which you can, you can say that there was really no one else really in the, in the late forties and fifties. Then you kind of got the tail end of that with Bill Russell, but I always equate the sixties with Bill Russell. So you had Will Chamberlain. So in the fifties, you had Mikan. In the sixties, uh, you had Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain. In the seventies, you could say it was Kareem's decade. 80s and 80s was Larry Bird and, 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 and Magic. Jordan was the 90s. And then I, I always say all three, Tim Duncan, Shaq, and, and Kobe were, were the guys in the 2000s. And then 2010, I, I had mentioned LeBron being that guy, but you can argue that Steph is in that group as well or with LeBron in that decade as well. But Michael dominated, and he dominated in a time when TV, advertising, shoes, all that came together. He was the perfect combination of everything you've ever wanted in an athlete. Everything. He worked hard. He was a beast. He inspired, even though he was a jerk, he inspired, he made, the only reason why we're talking about Bill, Bill, well, Bill welling Bill Wennington. Bill Wennington and Joe. Medical Klein bills. and Medical bills. It's because that. that guy drew there. He drew them out. He drew them out to be effective.
0: Luke Longley, shout out.
2: Luke Longley, and all those guys really dropped off. I mean, I guess the only guy that probably had a shot at probably winning championships without Michael Jordan was Scottie Pippen, and if it wasn't for Shaq and Kobe, he probably would have won a couple. Uh, so, yeah, it's the, 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 the stuff that got left in the 80s, when I look back on it, I don't know which one was worse. For the longest time, I thought the 89 one was worse because what a way to end a decade. We would have three-peated... Kareem would have won on a winner. We were 11 and 0 going into that finals and then we we both Magic and and Byron Scott blow out their hamstrings. And I yeah. I've gotten I've gotten into discussions with people about Detroit that year. They said even if Magic was healthy and Byron was healthy, they were still going
1: to win that series. Well, you know something I've I've heard I've heard people talk crap about how if Ralph Sampson doesn't hit that shot even if the Lakers make the finals, the the Celtics are on a train through them. I don't think that's true at all. I, I think that that was that was another season that that Joe, you said eighty four was the worst. Yeah, that same. I'll situation. tell you why. I'll
2: tell you why because that didn't have to happen.
1: No, so let's I agree. Say, I agree. Let's,
2: let's let's give the let's give Celtics the benefit of the doubt. I'm not going to argue this. That was the best Celtics team.
1: Oh, I agree. Arguably, I agree. They ever, ever holding, they were they lost
2: one game at home that year. One. Yep. Okay. One game. Larry Bird with, won a third MVP. Bill Wong won six six Man of the Year. Yes, guys, you can't hear history. You're getting it. Um, I even know Celtic history. So you got the perfect team, and I told you guys this about. The, the the unfortunate career, a, a little bit of the unfortunate career of LeBron James. LeBron James never had, in all the years he's been playing, the perfect team. So I've, I've had people tell me, well, what about 2012? T- yeah t- eh, it was a strike season. He only played 66 games. And yet, you know, he never has had, 2016 was probably the closest, but that was one of those, like, he still had to struggle to get it. 86 Celtics. Lakers eighty seven in terms of the Magic era. If you went into if you wanted to go the Detroit route, the Isaiah Thomas obviously nineteen eighty nine. Uh, Bulls ninety six.
1: Uh, Spurs two thousand three. So you, you, I, I yeah, no, no. I mean, it, to me, I, I, I mentioned it at that at the top. Um, to me, that eighty one, that eighty two fi- uh, championship is number two all time. For me as a, as a Lakers fan, they go 12 and two uh, in 14 games. Magic has seven triple doubles, which is unheard of at that time. He's basically two games away from averaging a triple double in both series against the the Suns and Spurs. He missed it by one assist in each series. He goes to to play Philly again. And even though Philly got him in, in, in the next year, he got him for a second time, and and that one was really, to me, it was the icing on the cake for him. He proved to everybody that I am the best point guard in the land. Nobody is on my level there, and Kareem is thirty five years old after that after that championship, and even he understands now that. You know, this is Irvin's team. And and going back to Riles, again, during that season, he's trying to juggle what rotations work. And eventually he plays Kurt Rambis because Mitch Kupchak blows out his knee and Mark Landsberger, God bless him, he's just not that kind of athlete that you can really put on the floor <laughs> with the Magic Johnson uh, playing a full-court transition uh, highly, highly conditioned um, style of offense. Rambus fits in like a glove after a bit of struggling. Uh, Riles plays him up to 25 minutes a game. He's he's his primary front court reserve in the playoffs, basically. Uh, he goes with the seven-man rotation. Michael Cooper and Kurt come off the bench, and he's rel- – go ahead, Gerald. No, go ahead. If that's yeah, no, no, because the path is almost I, ending. Just want to let yes, you know. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, um, he, he's he's basically excuse me. He's basically relying on McAdoo and Cooper to come off the bench and be productive. And believe it or not, Michael Cooper was 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 an underrated passer, Gerald. He he um understood the nature of Showtime, and we all think of of Coop as kind of the the godfather of the three and D but he was he was an underrated passer and you had to understand that if you're playing with Magic Johnson and Showtime it's about getting the best shot possible for the team not for you all right well
0: class I hope you've enjoyed our first lesson at Lakers history 101 as the professor behind the curriculum here, as far as the studies here at Laker U want to go ahead and thank you so much for watching and listening. We will do this again. This is something that Sean and Joe, and I know others as well as part of the LFB have talked about for quite some time about doing about talking about past Lakers history. I know we have these conversations constantly on our regular shows. In fact, tomorrow night, we're going to be doing a post game. Of course, right here at the Lakers Fast Break on YouTube. So please subscribe today if you haven't already. But from time to time, we're going to throw some history lessons. Class will be in session. And you know what? As part of the curriculum for next week's lesson, or next our next lesson, I should say, our next lesson will be something that is near and dear to Joe's heart that he's going to go ahead and give a, a, a big-time presentation on, and that is the Chris Paul trade. So we will be going into depth on the what if and the theories and the the things that could have <laughs> been laid out with the Chris Paul trade, something that Joe, as you know, if you've heard the show, Instructor Joe has really talked about at length. So mm-hmm. for Professor Joe Sorrell, Professor Sean Grice, we hope you've enjoyed this class and session as far as that's concerned. Truly hope that that you've enjoyed what the instructors have said today. So Sovereign is back to work. Terrence says it's very informative. Appreciate you watching and listening. We'll be back tomorrow night, obviously right here at Lakers Fast Break on YouTube for the post game against the Kings around 10 p.m. Pacific. But please, if you get a chance, join us, wild and crazy watch parties that we're going to have, our wild and crazy live watch parties that you can go ahead and catch today at playback.tv. Sign up for a free account today at playback.tv, and then join us at playback.tv slash Lakers Fast Break. All the fun will start at 7.30 tomorrow night. Hopefully, you'll be a part of what we're doing. We truly appreciate it if you can. Once again, it is Professor Gerald Glassford, along with instructors Sean Grice and Instructor Joe Sorrell. Thank you so much for watching and listening this Lakers History 101. We will be doing, again, more sessions. I know the bell's ringing, so class is going to be dismissed. <laughs> so we truly appreciate you being part of it for Lakers History 101. And I hope you'll come back to class sometime soon, right here at the Lakers Master Podcast.